Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Morning, everybody. Glad you are here. Thank you for watching online. Thank you for sharing the services as you do each week. Very grateful for you doing that. Uh, It's good to see you. We're starting a brand new series today. It's really, uh, it could be called a leadership series because we're going to be looking at principles from the life of Joseph that will really make all of us better leaders. Uh, Everybody is a leader. You're a leader in your home. You're a leader in your community. Uh, if you were to define leadership in one word, you could define leadership as influence, influence. And you all have influence. It's an interesting word. We've talked about it before. Uh, the word influence comes from the idea of inflow, inflow. It's the idea of like two little tributaries or several little tributaries, I should say, flowing together. And then they create a current. They flow into a stream. And when you have inflow, influence, it means there's someone, someone who's getting caught up in the current of your life. Initially, it's your kids. Uh, Your children get caught up. You have influence over your children. Sometimes it's a close friend. Sometimes it's a coworker. Sometimes it is a, a, a customer. But you have someone in your orbit, someone in your world, who is caught up in the, in the current of your life. Uh, you have influence, and leaders have influence. We lead with influence. And so this series is designed to kind of identify some of the principles in the life of this remarkable young man that caused him to be such an amazing leader. He actually uh, became the prime minister of Egypt, second in power only to Pharaoh himself. And so we're going to see what that path looked like. How did God take just an ordinary young man from an extremely dysfunctional family and use this young man uh, in such an incredible way? This young man, his name was Joseph. Now, I don't remember how many of you are, I'm not sure I know how many of you were ever asked this when you were growing up, um, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I think probably all of us were asked that at some time or another. And all of us probably ask our kids uh, that question at some time or another. And it's always interesting because you're just kind of probing. You're not calling for a commitment, you know, when they're seven. But, but you are, I'm always interested to hear what little kids think and what they want to be. And all that changes over time, right? It, it, your, your little mind when you're young, it, it, it begins to expand. And what is awesome about kids is that kids are just natural born dreamers. They believe they can do anything. They believe they can accomplish anything. And that is a beautiful, in my estimation, a God-given quality that he places within all humanity, and that is the ability to dream, to think about what do you want to be when you grow up? Because what really starts out as um, exploration before long becomes an expedition, You start out thinking big, you start about dreaming big, and then as you get older, you begin to want to pursue that sort of idea, that sort of dream. And we think about it, everything we wear, everything we do, everything that we utilize each and every day started out as someone's dream. Somebody had an idea, somebody had a thought, a way I could make this better, I could make this product 
and it would help service mankind. And so everything we use today really started as someone else's dream, someone else's idea, and they stayed with it and they pursued it. I heard about a mom whose young son was um, bedtime and he was staying up a little later than normal. She said, son, you need to go on to bed. She said, I'll be up in a little while and I'll, I'll check on you, but it's time, you need to go to bed. So he goes upstairs and goes to his room. So after about an hour, she thought, I better go up and check on him. So she goes in there and, and she sees her boy as he's staring out of the window, just staring up into the sky. She says, Jimmy, what are you doing? I sent you up here an hour ago. You, you need to go to bed. And so she, she tucks him in bed. And as he's in bed, she, he looks at his mother and he says, you know what, mom? He, he said, one day I'm gonna walk on the moon. And she said, oh, that's a wonderful thought, Jimmy. That's a great little thought. And so she hugged him and, and she tucked him in and, and she didn't think much about it. 32 years later, <laughs> little Jimmy grew up to be James Irwin who became one of only 12 human beings that ever stepped on the face of the moon. <laughs> and when she told the story, it was remarkable because it all started as a little boy staring out of his window one night at the moon saying, one day, <laughs> I'm gonna walk on the moon. Here is a young man with a dream and that dream became a reality. So what's my point? My point is everything achieved in life has to begin somewhere and it should begin and often does begin as a, a dream. Joseph, in fact, when you think about the Old Testament character, if you've ever studied him or heard much about him, you know he was known as a, as a dreamer. At 17 years old, God gave him a remarkable dream that one day, one day, his brothers, his older brothers would actually bow before him. And one day through this dream, he knew that he would be not just an ordinary young man, but he would actually be a ruler. And Joseph made the mistake of sharing his dreams with people who didn't appreciate him or people who didn't really respect him. Have you ever made that mistake of sharing an idea with somebody, a thought, maybe a new business venture with someone, and they look at you and you're thinking you're gonna get a real positive affirmation or some good you know, response instead? They're like, you know, I don't know. They just rain on your parade a little bit. <laughs> You know, that'll never work, I don't know what you're thinking. You know, you're like, oh, thank you for that, you know. There, there, there's some people I'm just convinced that are just negative, they almost just cannot help themselves. You know, it's, it's like that friend in your life who says, hey, before we leave, would you share a word of discouragement with us? <laughs> you have anybody like that? The Bible talks about being born again, and these are people who are born against. <laughs> and so these brothers were, were just so negative, and, and they just kind of shot his wheels off. And here he was, this young idealist at 17 years old. He had this amazing dream, and they just kind of they, they poo-pooed the whole idea. And yet, this young man was true to what God had instilled in his heart. He, he, never, he never lost sight of that dream. He just continued to pursue it, even though other people were opposed to it and other people weren't supportive of it. He didn't let go of the dream that God had placed in his life. In fact, if you look with me at our text this morning in Genesis chapter 37, a couple of verses there I want us to look at before I share these principles with you. It's interesting that this incredible life of Joseph in this text begins with these words, now Joseph had a dream. Genesis 37, verse five, Joseph had a dream, that kind of opens. 
So we're introduced to this young man and we're introduced to the idea that Joseph had this dream, he had this big idea. And he told it to his brothers, as I said a moment ago, they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream which I have dreamed and he shares the dream to his brothers. And when you read that in context, you see that his brothers, as I said a moment ago, they were not supportive of what God had placed in his heart. But what I don't want you to miss this morning, and I just want to kind of do a 10,000-foot view of this, of this uh, story of Joseph as we look at some of the initial things that happened in his life that made him so effective and successful, and that is he was a young man that discovered his purpose. His purpose was tied to a dream, and he passionately pursued his purpose for his entire life. So here's Joseph discovering purpose. So the first thing I would tell you and the first principle I would give you that really helps you uh, discover purpose in life and pursue the purpose passionately is what I'm calling my desire, my desire, a dream, my desire. It all begins with a dream. As I said, every ambition, every achievement in life begins with a dream. First uh, Timothy 3.1, if anyone desires the office of a bishop, they desire a good thing. Now, he was talking in context of ministry, but when you do the application, he's talking about the fact that there is a desire that God plants within the heart of a person uh, for a certain position, uh, to be able to achieve a certain profession. And so I would go back to this, what is your desire? Well, what is the thing you dream about? What is the thing you would like to be when you grow up? Again, I go back to the idea of kids. We were all born dreamers. Remember when you were a kid, if you had a basketball goal or maybe your neighbors had a basketball goal, you remember when you went over and you were just shooting hoops uh, and, and you're playing? Every guy in the room can relate to this illustration. When you're shooting hoops, at some point, you imagine yourself at the NBA championship game. And there's 10 seconds on the clock. I don't know why 10, but it always seemed to be 10. We started the countdown there. You remember what happened, guys? We're a little behind and so, the, so we're counting down 10, 9, 8. We're dribbling the ball. We're trying to get a position for the shot. And then we get right down 3, 2, and we let the shot go. And all of a sudden, the ball hits the rim, and it doesn't go through. What do we do, guys, when that happens? We reset the clock. You're exactly right. There's no way we're going in the house. A loser! We're not going to go in the house and go, oh, I'm so terrible. I beat myself. You know, no, we're going to reset that thing and we're going to shoot and shoot until we win the NBA championship game because it is that important. And it's a quality we had when we were younger. And sometimes, guys, life happens and you begin to, you begin to lose that quality of that being able to, to just dream. I don't know if you've ever taken your kids skiing, but if you have and you start them out skiing when they're really young, they're fearless. Oh my gosh, we took the kids one time and they were real young and they're skiing. And so we, Cindy and I picked them up after ski school and we're gonna try to ski with them. You know, we're on those green, those bunny hills. And all of a sudden those kids just take off down the hill, just hair on fire. And I look at Cindy and she looks at me and she goes, oh my gosh, they're out of control. You better go get, so man, I'm, I'm, I'm skiing way beyond my ability. You know what I'm saying? Trying to catch up with it. I am just like, man, oh, help me Jesus, help me Jesus. And I'm skiing up. And I caught up to those little boogers and they had the biggest grin on their faces. I mean, they're just loving life, man. They're just, they're just smoking down that hill. Of course, I mean, if they fell, what is that little rear end's about a foot off the snow? Brother like me is gonna break stuff if I go down. But I'm just saying that they were fearless. Kids are fearless. 
They'll jump off stuff. They'll try stuff because God has wired us in such a way that we are all just simply, naturally, we're just, we're, we're dreamers. And so God instills this incredible dream in the heart of this young man. And he began at that point at 17 years old, he began to uh, uh, pursue that dream. One of the ways I think you have to get in touch with your desire is you, you have to always keep an open mind. Sometimes, guys, you try something and it doesn't work, and we go, well, okay, I guess that just wasn't for me, and we just kind of give up on our dreams. We give up on the idea. And so I think you have to be, you have to be open-minded because the problem is, I think, as we get older, uh, and I can speak as an older person, we, we develop mindsets, mindsets, and we become afraid to try. We become afraid to dream. We think we're too old to dream, Right? And, and the reason we call them mindsets is because the mind can get set <laughs> in a way of thinking. And it's hard to break a mindset because you have someone who is um, objective, they're open-minded, and you have someone who is very subjective, they're very close-minded. It's a mindset. And through life, I think the way you stay in touch with your dream and the way you stay in touch with your desire is you have to keep an open mind. You have to be receptive to what God may be speaking into your life. You have to be able to say, God, I, I just want to, I, I know I am immortal until you're finished with me, and I know I'm here for a reason, so God, help me to, to find a new dream or help me to discover a new desire in this season of my life. But the point I don't want you to miss is the fact, as long as you're here, God has a dream for you to dream. And so everything begins with a desire. All right, number two, desire then has to match up with design. You have desire, but desire has to match with design. Now, if I have a dream that doesn't fit my design, then that's not something God instilled in my heart. It's an idea, maybe. Uh, it was a childhood ambition, maybe, but it wasn't really a God-given dream because the God-given dream in your life will always fit your design. He'll give you something in your heart that you desire to do and the desire will fit how he has designed you to do it. So one of the things you do as you pursue your desire is you pray for discernment, discernment. God help me discern, is this a good business opportunity for me? Is this something I should do in this season of life? Should I launch out and attempt? I, I, gotta drive. I, I would love to do it, but is this something you're calling me to do or is this something that I just have an ambition to do? How do I discern the difference between what God has placed in my heart or, or maybe some selfish ambition that I have? Well, again, I go back to the fact that if it's a God-given dream, it will always fit with my design. And that's where, again, I need God's discernment. Let me, let me give you some practical ways to tell. One of the first ways you can tell if this dream fits design is, number one, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, can God receive glory through it? In other words, is, if what I'm dreaming and desiring to do, is it something ultimately that gives God glory? Now, what does that even mean? Is it something that God can be seen as a result of me doing this? Can God get greater glory? In other words, will this thing, whatever this thing is that you're pursuing, once you have achieved it or attained it, is it something that God can see, um, other people can see God at work in your life in a greater way? Can God receive glory? So that's the first thing. Is this something that is going to be uh, used of God in a greater way to bring him glory? Number two, is it consistent with my gifts, with my personality, 
with my temperament. I mean, what I'm wanting to do is not consistent with how I'm gifted, with my temperament, with my personality. It might be my dream, but it's not necessarily God's dream for me. So be discerning in that one. Number three, does it require great faith in order to achieve it? The Bible says whatsoever is not a faith is sin. So if what I'm wanting to do, if there's an element of what I'm wanting to do that doesn't require great faith, then that's not of God. Meaning at some point as I'm pursuing my dream, I'm gonna to have to partner with God at a greater level. Remember, I've told you if you wanna go somewhere with God, I'm sorry, if you wanna receive something from God you've never had before, you have to be willing to go somewhere with God you've never been before. So does this pursuit of a dream, does it incorporate elements of faith? Does it require faith to stretch you a little bit? All right, number four, does it instill passion in me? Is it something that helps you get out of bed to go do every day? Is it something that you're actually excited about doing again? Is it, does it instill passion in me? Do you really love what you're doing? And, and then number five, has it been affirmed by other people? Has someone ever seen you do the thing you say you believe you're called to do? Has anyone affirmed you in that? Meaning that, have they ever said, you're really good at that? that that's something you do really well. Your personality, you're, 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 a, you're a detailed person. You, you really do that well. Now, when I say has it been affirmed by others, I'm not suggesting that we start looking necessarily for consensus because sometimes I can get jaded, you know. Hercules, Hercules, you can do everything. You know, you, you don't, you, you, sometimes, you know, people who love you will affirm you in something that they're just being nice. So, so you really, you, you're not looking for consensus as much as you're looking for confirmation. You want somebody to truly say, you are genuinely good at this, and, and that sometimes, when you hear that, you may, not even, you may not even respond to that other than, oh, thank you. But in your mind, you just, you're jumping up and down saying, I needed to hear that. That was something, you, you know what I mean? That moment will have, that little epiphany of confirmation happens at different times from different people, but it's one of the ways that will help you discern whether or not what you're dreaming really fits your design. When it comes to the church, for example, in Ephesians 4, Paul identifies gifted people within the church to do certain things. And that's true in your organization as well. God will give gifted people within any organization to carry out certain tasks. You need people who are really good people, people who are outgoing and never meet a stranger. You need those detailed people who have those administrative skills, who may not have the necessarily the best people skills, but they're good at what they do. It takes all kinds of people within an organization to make the organization function and to help it to genuinely work. He carries the idea of not just structure within a church and within an organization, but in 1 Corinthians 12, he calls it a body. The church is a body. And then he identifies an eye. An eye is a tender part. And then he calls, talks about a hand. A hand is a tough part. Well, you need tough and tender parts. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a gifting. And so you have to discern where you fit in an organization, where you fit in the life of a church, where you fit in your career path. And so it is important that you marry your dream with your design. Let me give you another practical way of thinking about it. In 1 Samuel 17, you remember the famous passage of David facing Goliath? Remember that? And when David was willing to go down and face Goliath, Saul, the king, put his armor on David. He said, you're gonna to need to wear some gear, man. You're gonna need some armor if you're gonna go out there and face that guy. And so when you read the narrative, David tries it on, but it doesn't fit. 
I mean, it's kind of like a little kid putting on dad's football helmet and the thing turns and he's looking out of the ear hole, you know. I mean, you kind of get that imagery of nothing fits. It's just not working. And so David says to the king, respectfully, he said in, in 1 Samuel 17, about 39 and change, he said, I haven't proven this equipment, meaning I haven't taken it out and tested it. I, I don't, this doesn't fit me. This is, this is not who I am. This fits you, but this doesn't fit me. And so when you begin to discern, is this dream something that God has planted in my heart, and you try to be discerning of that so you can get confirmation in that, part of that is trying to really understand how God has wired you, how he has designed you, because again, the dream will always align itself with design. Here's third word. So you've got dream, you've got the dream that aligns itself with design, and then the third thing is, it's going to require determination. Determination. Another word I'd give you is discipline. Discipline. We think about disciplines that, that, that make anything we do in life effective. Disciplines. Whether they are physical disciplines of exercise and, and eating right, uh, or they are uh, spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible study, church attendance, and all those things. Whether it's emotional discipline to get healthy emotionally, which involves the friendships I form and what I allow to be uh, going into my mind, the way that it affects how I think. All of those things require discipline. Um, discipline is, in life is not a one and done kind of a thing. And some people think it is, but it isn't. It's a lifelong pursuit. You can't just make up your mind in a service like this that I'm gonna pursue my dream, this is what I desire to do, it fits my design, and I'm committed to do it, and then when we break the huddle, you don't maintain that discipline in order to achieve it. Because it's going to require enormous determination to achieve anything God has placed in your heart. You know why? Because the enemy knows it. You're never a threat to the enemy when you're not pursuing your purpose. You're no threat to the enemy. What threat do you, you raise to him? But the minute you're in sync with God's will for your life and you're really trying to pursue that passionately, all of a sudden, man, you're on the radar. Man, this person's gonna get their stuff together. They're, they're gonna make a difference in their marriage or in their family, with their children, in their community, in their career, among their friends. I gotta, I gotta knock this person off high center. I, 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 gotta, I, gotta, I gotta take them out of the game or they're, they're gonna create some havoc for my purposes and the lives of other people. And, and so I'm just saying, when you passionately pursue the dream God has placed in your heart, here's what you can expect. You can expect all hell to come against you. I told you before, the, you know you're, you're on the road to success when it's uphill all the way. <laughs> Paul said there is a great an effectual door opened to me, and in the same verse, the next phrase is, but there are many adversaries. I've told you before, the doors of opportunity swing on the hinges of opposition. The good news about the bad news is, uh, if you're running into the devil, it's a good sign you're not running with him. <laughs> so that's a good sign. But I'm just suggesting to you that it's going to require an enormous amount of determination if you're going to ever achieve the thing God has placed in your heart to achieve. Sometimes it requires changing associations. You can still love certain people, you can still hang with certain people, but sometimes you can't rely on them for counsel. You're gonna to have to change some associations. You have to be careful, by the way, who you let into that close circle, who you allow to speak into your life. Because when God gives you a dream and it fits your desire and you begin to be determined to fulfill it, who better to knock you off course 
than someone who has your ear. And sometimes the best people in the world can be used, unbeknownst to them, but can be used by the enemy to speak something negative into your mind that knocks you off your game. So you have to be careful. Yeah, that, again, I use the word discerning. You have to be discerning of who you allow to speak into your life. And I will also tell you this morning, you need those safe people. You need that circle of people you can rely on, you can count on. You need people in your life who will allow you to have a bad day, who will, say, who will allow you uh, permission to say things to them. You may not even mean when, the, when you're saying it, and they're not gonna out you. They're not gonna sit there and, you know, oh, can you believe, pray for my friend. They just told me some things that if I told you, it would shock you, and that's on Facebook. And they're going, well, that person doesn't have it. Two friends, and I know they ate lunch with them yesterday, so we know who that is. Right? I mean, if you've never been burned by somebody, you just hadn't shared too much with many. <laughs> and I'm just saying, man, if you are that person in someone's life and they confide in you and they seek your counsel, don't burn them. Be very careful how, what you do with the information. Give them, be, if you're a safe person, give them permission to have a bad day. To say things again, they may not even mean in the moment, they just need to say it to someone that was safe to get it out of them. And so I'm saying you need those people in your life. And by the way, that's gonna be a small circle. Remember, Jesus had 12 disciples, but when you really study the relationship, he was only close to three of them. There were only three that went up into the mountain with him. Even though he had 12 that were close, there were three that were really close. I've told you before, you're gonna make a lot more acquaintances in life than you'll make real friends. <laughs> People say, I got a 600 friends on Facebook. No, you don't. No, you don't. You've got 600 people they call friends on Facebook. They're not friends. They may be friendly and they may be, a so, but they're not people that are gonna be there for you, that you can confide in, that you trust with everything. And I'm not hating on the people on your Facebook page. I'm just saying you have to be careful. And sometimes in order to fulfill dreams, you have to change some associations. My grandma used to say, birds of a feather flock together. Do you ever hear that? But the principle is true, association begets assimilation. You will naturally become like the people you hang with. Sometimes you have to change your associations. You, you have to work on that. Sometimes you have to change your habits. I, I, somebody told me, I think a habit takes like seven weeks to form a new habit. Sometimes you gotta break some old patterns and some old ways of doing things and embrace some new ways of doing things if you're ever going to achieve your dream. Sometimes you just have to change the way you're thinking. I've told you the late, great Zig Ziglar says you need to change the stinking thinking, right? He said you need the checkup from the neck up. <laughs> and that's so true because you and I will go in the direction of our thoughts. You're here because you first thought yourself to be here. You will go where you go when you leave in a few minutes because you first think this is where you're going to go. Your thoughts pave the way for the direction of your life, so sometimes you have to change your thoughts. 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul said, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. expedient. Paul said, as a Christian, I'm free to do a lot of things. I can go in different directions. I can go to different churches. I can pursue different careers. It's great being American. We have all this freedom that we take for granted so many times. And Paul said, in our Christian faith, we have freedom. All things are lawful. But then he said, but not all things are expedient. Meaning that once I know my dream and, I, and my dream fits my desire and I'm determined to achieve it, 
I have to be focused. I have to be a man on a mission. I have to be expeditious about what I'm doing. An expedition. An expedition is not a walk in the woods. If you're on an expedition, you have a destination in mind. And Paul was saying to achieve your dream, you have to be expeditious. You have to say, I, I can do a lot of stuff, but what is the best? What are the best things for me to do? What, what are the be, what's the best way to use my time today to help move that ball forward to achieve my dream? Okay, so put this together. The dream, the design, the determination, here's the fourth word, ultimately destiny. Ultimately, now it's not overnight. Can I remind you that from the time Joseph got this dream, it was 23 years in the making. He, he was an overnight success in 23 years. And think about the criticism that he went through. I, I read where Samuel Morse, Samuel Morse appeared before the 27th Congress. He asked for $30,000 to implement an exp, uh, experimental telegraph wire between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore, and the Congress laughed him to scorn. I heard where Marconi told his friends that I have discovered a way to send messages through the air without wires or any other physical means, and Marconi's friends had him taken to a mental facility. He had to deal with ridicule. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream was challenged with violence from without and threats from within, and it took 10 years before the Voting Rights Act of 65 became a reality. He didn't give up. Moses spent, listen, 40 years in the wilderness before he ever led Israel out of Egypt. Caleb, when he achieved his final goal of having a piece of real estate up in the mountains in Joshua 14, verse 12, he was 85 years old. David was anointed king as a boy, but he ran for his life for 20 years in the wilderness before he ever ascended to the throne. Mark Twain said, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't try than by the things you did. So he said, be sure and dream, be sure and explore, keep discovering. Here's the problem. Broken dreams sometimes can lead to broken desires. And when it doesn't happen as quickly as we thought it should, and it doesn't happen in the way that we thought it would, we quit dreaming. And man, when you quit dreaming, you, you, you just start getting older. Your body stops breaking down. You're not passionate about anything anymore. So I would tell you this morning, regardless of what season or stage of life you're in this morning, dream a new dream. Realize there's something you can do. Cindy's grandfather was a wonderful man. He worked for the railroad for many, many years until he retired. And once he retired, he dreamed a new dream. He started getting involved in the life of his church. He would show up with the facility guy and, the, and just say, what needs to be done around here? And, well, we got some stuff that's broken down here. I'll fix it. I'll take care of it. I, I, he, he was one of the best workers, probably better than some of the staff they had over there. He was committed. What did he do? He found something to do with his time. He dreamed a new dream. Hey, I love the Walmart greeters, don't you? Man, some of those guys, hadn't, they hadn't mailed it in. They're like, hey, I'm in a season of life. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing, by the way, to us? Wouldn't you love to be old enough and be in a season of life where you could just greet people at Walmart? I don't know. I've got to raise the bar a little bit, I guess. But my point is, I love people that just don't give up on their dreams, regardless of how old or young they are. So dream the new dream. Get in touch with it. 
Line it up with your design. Be determined to achieve it. And I'm telling you, God will make sure that destiny, that destiny is realized. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this uh, opportunity that I've had this morning. I hope to challenge people in the way they think, to realize that you've got a plan, you've got a purpose, that you have something for them to do. Some in the room are very young and some in the room are, are in the senior years of life. But Father, we all realize we're here for purpose. So help us, Lord, to, to be true to the dreams that you place in our heart, not give up on them, to pursue them passionately. And Lord, I pray that we'll see people in this room fulfill, fulfilling dreams in their life, in their businesses, in their families. I pray that even in our church as we seek to minister to people on a, on a larger scale than ever before. Father, I just pray this morning that you'll help us to get excited about the future you have for us. And then finally, Lord, I, I pray for my friends, maybe who've never trusted you as Savior, many in the room and some watching online. I pray this might be the moment right in the close of the service where they just humble their heart right where they are. They say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sin with everything I know about me. I now trust all that I know about you. Lord, be a reality in my life. And Father, I pray this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.